fans. Welcome back to the Purple People Eaters podcast. He's Aaron. I'm Chris. And we're here to kick off our fifth season of the podcast, talking some Vikings football. There's a whole lot to get into. Obviously, we won't have recap. We're not going to recap game three. That happened a while ago in the preseason. We'll kind of touch upon some preseason notes, news and notes and trades and all that good stuff. 53-man roster cuts in the trades around them definitely had a lot of people talking. Some of the cuts, a lot, most of them you expected. Some of them kind of surprised us. We'll talk about that. We got a new backup QB. We have four running backs on the roster. Um, just a variety of stuff. So, and obviously we're going to, we're going to give our predictions on the season like we normally do in the, in the first episode, kind of predict what our record will be. And then we'll dig deep into the opener against the Green Bay Packers at home. I think they're, what, a point and a half favorite are the Packers, so it should be an interesting way to kick off the season, no doubt about it. Kind of an interesting wave of the season, really difficult parts in like four out of five games at home. So it's kind of a blend. Luckily, we've played two tough schedules in a row, so this one doesn't like blow you away comparatively, but there's definitely some tough stretches, some interesting stretches. That London game kind of funky without the bye behind it. Um, so, yeah, we're definitely going to break it all down here on this Vikings po- podcast. By the way, if this is your first time listening to the Purple People Eaters podcast, welcome. It streams, streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Ropadope Radio. You don't have to go to Ropadope and Blog Talk and download the show directly there. Listen to the browser. You can find the platform Ropadope Radio on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM. Spricker, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and more. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegrillingtruth.com. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you're happy, you're not quite happy, i got something for you. It's called DirecTV Stream. The prices for a limited time only. Prices start as low as $49.99 for two months. It's the best of live TV and on-demand, no annual contracts, no hidden fees. Plus, you're good to enjoy regional sports networks. And if you upgrade to the Choice or Ultimate Package, that gives you three free months of HBO Max, Showtime, Star Cinemax, and Epics. That's direct TV stream. Okay, let's go ahead and bring in the co-host here, Aaron. Here we are, my friend. Another Viking season. It's officially September. It's been really nice during the day, getting chillier at night every night. How you doing, buddy? Doing great. The uh, end of summer is here, Labor Day. Kids will be going back to school. Everything is starting on the the way down for the hot weather. It's getting a little chilly in the morning. And if you want to check out the podcast on the Spricker page, that's still up this year. That's at Living in Loserville at Spricker.com. Anybody who listens there, we're glad to have you. And yeah, another year, although this year we are uh, under a new regime, as everybody knows, and so there's a lot of mystery, and then some things aren't mysterious at all, but, you know, there's a great vibe around training camp, apparently, and everybody's happy, and, you know, but nobody's played a game yet. We're zero and zero. Let's see where that goes. Six games, eight games into the season, but I'm overall uh, optimistic at the change of pace at camp, as well as some of the uh, additions and subtractions of this year's roster. So the thing I didn't like about game two preseason. Okay, I'll stop. Um, 
Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, we knew there was going to be a lot of changeover, you know, before we get into the trades. Um, we will kind of just talk 53-man roster and, and all that good stuff. And right off the bat, we were just talking about this off-air. Anybody who thought that linebackers and defensive linemen, um, especially edges, uh, but just in general, uh, wouldn't be getting waived, you know, they'd pick, get picked up by a, another team really quick. You, you just weren't paying attention, you know what I mean? Because we, we are switching it up. When you go to the 3-4, yeah, we had, three, you know, 3-4 looks here and there. And we're still going to have 4-3 looks, by the way. But that that was going to happen. So some of this stuff is like, whoa, dude, that's a good player. Whoa, hang on. It's like, well, just hold on. You know, you are now looking for a much smaller, quicker tackling machine at linebacker on the inside, which we have two in the starting lineup. And then on the edges, you're looking for a big, bigger dude than you normally would in a 4-3 outside linebacker. So they can be 260, 270. I mean, it is what it is. So that stuff didn't surprise me. There are – I mean, he did a whole lot of trades just in general. If we go all the way back to the draft, and now we're not going to, you know, talk about the draft too much, but um, we're definitely not going to talk too much about that 2021 draft, I'll tell you that, because they're all gone. No, um, so, yeah, I, I agree. There is a different vibe, different feel. Um, and, you know, we are anticipating when you go offense and defense, it's like, whoa, yeah, head coach, everything. Like, it's not just getting a new coordinator in. Um, at least there is some kind of I know you with the, the new coordinator, right, head coach uh, for Cousins, right, because every damn year of his career almost, I think, uh, Cousins has had a new new uh, offense coordinator. So it is kind of nice to be like, hey, I remember you. So we're kind of on the same page. Um, but yeah, overall, you know, as far as the 53 man roster stuff goes, let's talk about the wide receiver out of Iowa. And, you know, they made a trade, an impact trade, you know, considering where he got drafted. Well, he, you know, uh, people kind of line that up of, well, dude, he was overrated. Yeah, as a number one pick, but what we paid for him. He might be a good role player. What was your thoughts there? Because that definitely was one of them. I think two really stand out as like, huh, okay. Well, let's start with uh, the cut there. I thought, you know, that was a shocker of the offseason for me. I thought, well, maybe not the offseason, but the shocker of, of training camp. Because I thought Amir Smith-Marset was at least a sixth receiver on this team, um, at the very least, and maybe a four at that. Everybody kind of thought he was number four. Uh, on the depth chart. Now we don't know exactly what went into the cutting or maybe they just liked what, uh, Rager brought as opposed to Smith. But I mean, Smith is speedy. Um, he did have his, uh, try at returning kicks, which obviously didn't go very well, which might have helped him stick here. But, you know, that's the, the tangibles. We don't know anything about the intangibles, what he's like in the locker room, who he likes, who he doesn't like, cause he got a loud mouth, blah, 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 all those things. But, from what we do know, he seemed to be a serviceable wide receiver, at least. And then with BC going down, you thought, okay, well, you know, there's a spot for a right. Marset. So I thought that was the shocker there. But then they go ahead and they swing a trade and they get Jalen Rager, who, if everybody remembers, was, uh, the counterpart of that video, uh, where the Eagles picked Rager over Jefferson. And then we basically ran to the podium to get Jefferson and, I don't think Riggers lived that down, and I think he's looking for the opportunity to do that here. 
and I'm glad they provided for him. I think he can offer a deep threat at the very least if he can catch the ball. Um, and that's, you know, something that Kirk's been looking for ever since. And go through the list of guys he's had as for deep threats. I remember in what 18, he had the, the one guy in the Rams game who caught a, a deep one. I can't remember his name. It was artist something maybe. And then yeah, they tried another deep threat guy. So maybe Rigger's going to be this guy. I know Diggs kind of took over responsibility for deep balls at some point, but I thought, you know, that's at the very least Rieger can offer that. And, uh, you know, he could also serviceable uh, replacement for Osborne, knock on wood, he gets hurt or something like that. And maybe he just comes yeah. through and, and lives, you know, out his first round potential, you know, gets the weight off his shoulders and free him up a little bit and become a very valuable part of this offense. Yeah, I mean, 30 catches in both seasons the last year for a number one pick. No, that doesn't stand out. But for a fourth wide receiver, that's a lot of playing time. And then, you know, speaking of serviceable, we'll be using that word here soon when we talk about the interior uh, offensive lineman. But, um, you know, punt returner, he seems pretty good at it. You know, and maybe that was another thing, you know, that Smith set wasn't quite like we talked about off air. You said how. You know, if he would have grabbed that thing last year, maybe this trade wouldn't happen. Obviously, we also have the Jalen uh, Nailier or whatever his last name is, Michigan State. Quick guy, go deep. So maybe they think, hey, we just want to do some work with him, develop him. But, yeah, it was a shocker. But the fact that they we heard about the trade fairly soon after was like, okay, we're talking – I'm not going to get too, you know – riled up or over the fourth wide receiver. Sure, we're going to have more three wide receiver sets, it seems, right, with this new offense. But, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm good with it because they made the trade and we know kind of what we got as far as, hey, he's been in a game. Has he had some drops? Yes. But 30 catches a year is not not doing anything. Like I said, we don't care about where he got drafted because we didn't, you know, we what was it, a seventh round in uh, 2024 conditional fifth that could go to a sixth uh, or a fourth that could go to a fifth or something like that. So, you know, I, I'm okay with that. I'm definitely okay with that. And uh, the key thing is, I think, pump returning and, like you said, you know, turning the corner there uh, and going deep. But Watts was kind of interesting for two reasons, right, on the defensive line. First, he did it. I think he had six sacks out of the interior last year. That's not easy to do, as we know. But he, he was he was productive, right? And then second, and you know, coming into it, I didn't know if he fit. That was the one guy I'm like, I'm not sure if he fits the three four dude. He's got a, you know, I don't really know. But he does have one year on his deal, and the guy we trade for that we'll talk about, he does have two years still. But I don't know. It, it was kind of like the other part is they only put out one <laughs> depth chart, starting in depth chart, only one. And he was the starter. So it was kind of like, are they in the office trying to trade him? And then we caught him. We didn't trade him. So we're really like, well, put him in the number one. And then we'll say, hey, man, we really like this deal. We're willing to part with you for Watts. So that, that kind of threw me off. And the fact that they they went out and got a, a rotational player in that Ross uh, Blacklock, um, you know, from 2020, it was a second-round pick. Like I said, that means he's got two more years on his contract. And Watts was going to be a free agent next year. We probably weren't going to be able to bring him back because he has done something here. And we do have some money tied up with the other guys. But he did get in those two seats, or last year, my bad, uh, Blacklock had 25 pressures and two sacks. 
And like I said, he was a rotational guy. Once again, did he live up to a second-round pick per se in two years? Not really. But then again, he's rotational, and, and maybe that's what their, their thought process is, whether it's Jonathan Bullard or the Gophers rookie or uh, James Lynch or, you know, one of these guys, we probably main like four or five guys, you know, we'll get some rotation out of it. Another little connection, Daniel House uh, on Twitter Good follow, by the way. He, he pointed out that Chris Rump, who was the outside linebackers coach for Houston in 2020, was part of that that squad that picked him in 2020. There, so they are they at least know him. You know, you always got to look for the coach's ties. Be like, no, this guy can rotate. He'll for sure rotate, and he's obviously only in his third year. So there's probably upside there. But those two really stand out as like, huh? Guess I didn't see that coming. Armand Watts, to me, you know, I thought he was a, a, a cinch to make the, uh, the roster now. Yeah, he doesn't, you know, he didn't impress me much. In fact, I was more impressed with you remembering he had six sacks last year, um, which I didn't remember, but that was a pretty thin towards the end of the season defensive line. Um, look, he, he had as many opportunities here, uh, over the course of however many years he was here to really make an impact now. He uh, is not, you know, the worst defensive lineman, and that goes to show how quickly he was picked up on waivers. Um, but like, like you said, and we, we talked a little bit off the year, there's got to be something in the works going for this defensive line. We don't know what it is. We're speculating, you know, and Dominican Sue's name's been brought up, um, but we don't know how much of that is smoke and how much of that is fire. So um, at this Sheldon point, Richardson, other guys too. Yep. Sure. At this point, you're at Blacklock, and you know maybe they saw some upside in him, and maybe the coach knows something that you know from working with him every day. Maybe he can get you know get the best out of him. Maybe he just needed a change of scenery. Uh, whatever it is that got him here uh, moved Armand Watts out. And it, am I sad about the Watts thing? No. I mean he's left over from the Zimmer regime. Um, that's one of the theories going why they let him go. I don't really think they're trying to get rid of guys just because they play for Zimmer. Um, no. Unless they were carrying some sort of, you know, a Zimmer did it this way. Or, oh, or something sure, like yeah. That. But, like they weren't you know. wanting to learn stuff or something like that. Right, but that's unprofessional, and I, I don't want to speculate that that's the case. I just think, you know, maybe they want to – they're cleaning house for somebody on that line, Chris, and – uh and by cleaning house, I mean salary cap room and roster spot. Um, but who that is, uh, we don't know. But we pretty much figured out it probably won't be a trade because they would have done it by now. So it's most likely someone uh, on the couch right now. And there's a couple guys, like you mentioned, on the couch right now who could help in that position. And I think that's something to keep an eye out after week one. And that's why it surprised me. First of all, like if we compare him and Smith or said, Watts is definitely more productive than him, but he also, like you said, the thin roster on that line, he got a lot, especially these last two years. He's really got a, a chance, um, you know, in, a, in an opportunity, no doubt about it. And he didn't shine or anything like that. I just thought he was solid because, I, in, my opinion, in my opinion, he was, but also they had him in the goddamn starting lineup. So it's like, well, they, they put this out. We didn't make it up. They put it on a piece of paper and said, hey, here you go. It's it's on you. Uh, so that that kind of threw me off. That's the only thing I can think of is those is like, were you trying to make a trade? And you're like, dude, he's a starter for us. 
we, we value this guy. You know, I don't know, but then you cut him. So, yeah, it does – It that's the only way this 100% makes sense is if, you know, whether it's a gopher guy, we mentioned the guys, Lynch, Bullard, who's a veteran guy who rotates. He's rotated with the Bears and other guys. You know, if it just – okay, we like our two guys, Tomlinson, and uh, what's his toes, the new guy, Phillips, and these guys, we're going to get maybe, you know, two guys out of five guys to rotate. You know, maybe that is it. But uh, having the cap room and, like you said, what's out there, it does make me think that someone's going to get cut and they'll be on there. But who knows? Now, another stickler of ours <laughs> the last couple of years, and we know we can't get some kind of battling for the job. Just so financially, it doesn't make any sense anyway. Um, because if we do want a quarterback for the future, just that, for the future, um, not necessarily Winston or whatever. But we, we've been stuck with some backups here. Uh, that was like, wow, you know. And then we thought we were going to be stuck with the same same uh, crew. And, it, I mean, they brought him in, you know, like he was going to, the, the old vet that we'll talk about. However, they made a trade that we talked about off air that we both like. Talk to me about this guy because I, I think he fits the role of a solid vet backup. First and foremost, we're running Mannion free at this point. Now, <laughs> that could change. I'm checking the practice squad right now. I don't check the practice. Squad I don't believe it because it's just hard to believe that this guy makes a living in the NFL. He's got to be the best guy in the locker room, future coach, all that good stuff. And hey, let's say he helped Kirk out. Well, that thanks a lot. But Kirk's on his own now, and I think that's that's good. Um, let's talk about Nick Mullins. Now, I remember Nick Mullins. Why, well, probably 2018, 2019, uh, laying on the couch, Monday night football, Sunday night football, Thursday night football, some night football. And, uh, Nick Mullins was filling in for, uh, I think a Jimmy Garoppolo injury. And he came out and had a hell of a game. And, uh, won, I think, against the Raiders, I want to say, but I could be wrong there. Nonetheless, he played really, really well. I said, who's this Nick Mullins kid? Never heard of him. Obviously went to Southern Miss, and since then I kind of kept an eye on him. Now I wasn't, you know, watching the TV because he's on the bench an awful lot, but um, I always liked him. And then we watched the preseason game where he kind of against uh, the Raiders, where he kind of, you know, carved up our our second defense as well he should have. And you know, I said, okay, this guy's good. I'm I'm really high on this Mullins kid now. Is he competition for Kirk? Not really. Salary uh, starter. You know, Kirk's pretty well implanted, but let's say knock on wood and very rare injury happens to Kirk. I've got almost 100% faith that he can come in and, and win one of two games, two of four games. He's not inept in any way. He's a guy that can actually come in and play and be more than serviceable. I think you're going to probably run into some interceptions. He's a bit of a gunslinger, but he takes chances. And, hey, if you got Jefferson, Thielen, Osborne, Rager, they take some chances. We need that a little bit. So I'm not saying, uh, you know, he's going to be Case Keenum or anything like that, but I, I think we're capable hands now as a backup. And then, you know, David Blau, too, is no slouch on the practice squad to be elevated. So I think your three quarterbacks are finally in a position where I can say, all right, you know, I can live with this crew of quarterbacks. I, I don't think there's a, a huge weak link here. There's no you know, Mannion, where, you know, if he's got to come in week 17 against the Bears and lose, right. I mean, that's just 
That's unacceptable. If he can't carve up a third-team defense in preseason in his 11th year in the league, uh, there's really right. no upside there. overthrow guys so badly. <laughs> so, you know, to wrap it up, I'm glad Mannion has found a new job. He's not sitting on the couch. He's in Seattle for now. Um, and, you know, Mond, that's a sticky situation, Chris. You know, second-year player, didn't really get a chance under Zimmer. But it could be that Zimmer just took a look at him and, you know, in last year's training camp, we're like, ah, I don't need to look at this guy anymore. I've seen what I need to see. But, you know, he also got picked up pretty quick by Cleveland. So, you know, some people believe. But, you know, you did mention off air a system thing, and I really think that's probably uh, what we're looking at here because last season uh, we were going with the play action off the run. Ramon could probably succeed in something like that. But this is a little bit uh, a more nuanced system with more receivers, more reads and a young guy who just kind of is in over his head at this moment, and we don't really have time to let him catch up. And I think that's kind of what happened to Mond. And uh, so I hope – I wish him well in Cleveland or wherever he ends up. I think at the very least he he might end up, you know, arising to the point of a Nick Mullins and being a, a serviceable backup sure. in this league. And, and, you know, I could be wrong. He could, you know – it might take him three, four years, and he just – the light turns on and he becomes a starter. But – I think he's probably nestled in if he plays his cards right to a nice number two quarterback career in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, shit, that's good for buying land. You know what I mean? Like, you, you can make plenty of money doing that and invest. So, um, yeah, I was always development with him anyway. Seen him so many games at A&M, and when you stay that long, it just gives people more time to go, ooh, I don't like that about him. You know what I mean? So maybe if he would have came out earlier, uh, he would have went higher. Not that he went low, though. Um, but, yeah, I think it's system. I just think it's – is he your backup? If not, he's got to go. And that's what basically what it is. And this is a perfect bet who probably could be here for a couple of years, you know, while we try to find something for the future. So I really like it. I'm right there with you, dude. I, I think this is really good. Um, on the surface, especially in, you know, today's NFL, pass happy, um, and we are going to pass more, and let's hope we get some three-step drop. Get it out to the the wide receivers, um, or cook out of the backfield. But four running backs and technically five with a fullback, our guy Ham. Um, it seemed like wow. Like I can see why there was some Twitter four. How are you gonna have four? Do you realize that it's they score points now and all that? So I saw a bunch of people freaking out, but I'm like, but did you see? Did you see him run? You know what I mean? Did, did you see him attack the hole? Did you see the finesse? The, I mean, he looked pretty damn good, man. So I'm, for one, I'm not too mad about four running back tailbacks, let's call them, um, just because you know, one does have a specific role already. You know, in the coming years, he could be the number one kickoff returner, period. And then this, ch- and then Cook is, you know, usually misses some games. And let's be honest, Matson's very solid, but he's probably not going to be here next year because he'll probably go where he can split time. If Cook's healthy, Cook's getting a lot of carries. We know that. So I'm good with it. What says you? Because I understand some of the pushback just based off four of them, but, you know, you got to add context. Yeah, context is key. And you got to think about, you know, Ham's uh, role here on the, in this offense now. It's not supposed to have a fullback in it, but we'll see what happens. They, you know, he does have a special teams, 
uh, element to his game as well. So, you know, it could be a lot of special teams and an occasional play for him, but it, it works. And then, like you said, Nwang Wu, he's uh, a great kick returner. And so you can't really let him go. And then the Rook shows up and shines, so you can't let him try to get through waivers. So you got to hang on to him. And, you know, you're looking for a possible cook, backup, possible, you know, anything could happen. You know, you need that kind of shifty back. And I really think he can come in and probably do a better job than Madison. And so now Madison's kind of the, the odd man out yet still in. And, you know, I guess he's in a lot of trade rumors and what have you. Just, I think, mostly contract there. Because he's, yeah. like you said, he's on his last year, and generally running backs tend to tend to move on pretty quickly. And so I think that, you know, they kind of were in a, a rock and a hard place. Do you put the rook in waivers? No. Do you put Wang Wu through waivers? No. So you got to hold him, and that's what they did. And now we're five deep, and we'll see what happens with Madison. I don't think it's going to be something that comes back to haunt us. Um but I think it, it, it's a good sign for the future for the running back room. It makes a couple guys, uh, I won't say expendable, but you, you know, it gives you some versatility, gives you some wiggle room there for a Cook injury, for a for a Madison trade, for any eventuality that might occur. I think you're in pretty good shape, and you know, if you need to make some moves in other spots and wiggle some things around, you still got a little bit of leeway roster wise. So. You know, I'd much rather have this problem than, you know, see Ty Chandler with the Chicago Bears and going, okay, well, we, you know, he didn't make it through waivers. Yeah, and I think you're right about that. I like the way you put that. It's like it's not going to come back to haunt us because even if you say, well, we could have kept Smith Marset, okay, but let's say he goes for 800 or 1,000 yards. He wasn't going to get that here. We already know that, you know. We already know that. What are you going to bench? one of the two starters of the Nas, you know. So, yeah, I liked how you put that. And it just, when you see the guy run, dude, you're just like, I don't know, man. This guy's pretty good. Like, he just looked good, man. I know it's preseason and all that, but with running backs, you can kind of tell, right? Because yeah. you're not supposed to be, like, we, how many, you know, the, the starters didn't get a bunch of time. So, you know, you're not supposed to be able to run really that great, uh, in, you know, in, in preseason. In training camp in general, really, because the offense is already behind the defense and yada, yada, yada. So I, uh, I like it. I, I do like it. And, and you never know. We love, we love ourselves some cook, but you know, one of, one of these injuries was major and then it was a difference maker and it just, it adds depth on a fresh new rookie contract. So I definitely like it. I definitely like it. Um, so obviously we know who the name brands are on the squad. Um, on defense, we hope they stay a little bit more healthier. But breakout player, like an Osborne, uh, for instance, right, last year, broke out. I'd say that's a breakout year, especially with those two guys above them. But on both sides of the ball, let's talk breakout player because uh, we're going to need some of those too. Well, offense, let's go offense first. I think you have to just look at, offensive line here where you need a breakout player and there's a, a rookie starter at right guard I believe Udo's be on the roster though bro I'm just saying <laughs> that's the pick right there Oli Udo <laughs> he's a tackle now uh which that means bad things for one of the other tackles but uh, Udo's <laughs> gonna come in though um uh, Ed Ingram now second round pick 
uh, climbed the depth chart throughout training mm. camp. I don't think he just handed him the job. No. They liked him so much they got rid of uh, Jesse Davis uh, oh. in a trade. And uh, LSU guy uh, played with Jefferson back in the day. Um, seems to be the guard we've all been looking for, and it didn't really take that long for these guys to find him. He was just there in the draft. <laughs> Isn't that it's weird? It's an amazing thing. That's strange. Um, to identify a problem and, and then find a solution. Second round is high, right? I mean, that's pretty, yep. pretty high. So he's legit. And so, you know, now he's a rookie, so let's temper our enthusiasm a little bit. He's sure. probably going to get whooped around a little bit, but, you know, he's not – Let's say that the, the ceiling is higher than any other guard we've had in here in a long time, and particularly the guards that formerly were tackles. And I don't, when you look back now at some of the roster construction for the last few years, you're just kind of marveling at like all the little things that, that have happened. And, you know, you can't just go get a guard in free agency. You can't just pick up draft six guards and see if one sticks. I mean, there's a million things he could have done or just scout better and grab Ed Ingram in the second round. I mean, that's what it came down to now. So that's my impact player. I really think he's going to come through and maybe solidify one side of that line for once because your tackles, your bookends are there. And if Ezra can, you know, improve from last year, he's kind of on a steady climb up. Let's hope that the wheels don't come off and, and he can continue to improve. Then you've got four out of five offensive linemen that that can play, and that's better than three out of five, so or two out of five. So mm-hmm. you still have the big question mark in the middle, which we're going to get to, and maybe talk a little bit about why he's still there. But yeah, I think Edgar Ingram is going to make the biggest impact on offense. You want to do your offensive one? Or you want me to go to defense? Well, I went outside the box a little bit, um, because it's a it's a name brand in Cook. But the passing game, or receiving game, I guess, for him, I think that Cook, you know, I love Mason DJ Ham. I believe he was made captain. Is the, Am I right on that? I think he was made captain. Quality guy, right? But, you know, I don't want to go through these four different routes and be like, all right, this is all we got. Let's just dump it be- behind the stick, you know. Ham is a guy that should break out for like a 12-yard pickup because nobody was on him. And he was just like, hey, there he is, go. Not the last straw, like, oh, let's, okay, we can try that, and we're not going to get a first down. Like I said, love love, love the guy to death, but we saw that too many times last year. Whereas in years previous, it was that one play a game, you could pretty much say he was going to get a first down because nobody was covering him, you know. That's a whole different attack. But Cook in the past game, right, that's one. And then Irv, Irv, not Gotti, Irv Smith, um, you know, those last six or eight games in 2020 sure like looked like he was ready to break out the next season. We know he had some injuries. We know he had the thumb thing. Hopefully all that stuff's behind him. But I'm going to go back. To my, so I'm kind of splitting it with names, but they haven't broken out in that category. Gotcha. And I like them both. I think. Cook in the run in the passing game is going to be something special. And if Irv stays healthy and provides another receiving option for Kirk, because he likes his tight ends, he likes his fullbacks, he likes check down guys that he can get the ball to in his situations. Um, and 
to have some athletic ability like Irv does, practically Seamer outs up the middle. The guy's good. So this, you know, he stays healthy. I like them both, Chris. I, I think Cook in space, good. you know, Let, let's space, get Cook in space. That lights out. Um, defensively, the only remaining third round pick from last year's draft, <laughs> um, and probably third on the outside linebacker depth chart at this point, uh, one Patrick Jones Jr., I think he's going to spill in at first, uh, you know, uh, knock on wood, no injuries and get a little rotation and give guys a breather, probably on both sides, um, for Zedarius and Hunter. And I think he'll make an impact immediately there. And then let's say, uh, something does happen for one of those games or two of those games or one of them goes down. I think he's a more than capable, uh, replacement, uh, which is makes this defensive line even more, uh, imposing because now you can rotate outside linebackers even as far as four deep with Wanham in there and Jones has flashed uh in the preseason for two seasons I think he got some playing time last year and flashed a little bit towards the end of the season and I really think that now with this new lease on the defense and uh, the ability to uh be a stand-up outside linebacker like he was at Pitt uh, I think he's going to make a big impact uh Regardless of injuries, regardless of he's going to see the field, he's going to make plays, and I'm just happy to see it because I was high on him last year, and I don't think he got enough opportunity, but I think this year he will get opportunities, and they will increase as the season goes on, and I think he'll he'll be seen as a very valuable part of this defense. Yeah, and who knows? Like you said, knock on wood with, with both these guys, but especially Hunter these last few years, you never know. We may need him. Uh, not just this year, but in the future. And, and we spoke off air about having those back on him and DJ. That That's pretty damn solid, dude. And then to learn and get stronger and all that good stuff behind both those guys, it's really ideal. It, it, it very much is. And, and even when we were looking at the free agency, we heard about the 3-4. We both kind of said, well, these guys fit. You know, the rest of the guys are probably going to get cut, but these guys fit. You know, it, it does seem. Seem like it is more their strengths. Um, you know, both young safeties, uh, the stack and bodies rookie, and then also, uh, you know, Bynum from last year, who once he got in there, he had to get in there and start. He played pretty good. I think that they're going to make um, – I think those two will make an impact. Um, I don't know who's going to start. I understand the rookie, you know, first-rounder came off that Georgia defense pretty much as very similar defense. Ask him to do the same. He saw him close on routes uh, in the preseason. Um, so I would say that that position, those two. Um, but I also, you know, well, that, I'll save that for key, a different key. Um, but I'd say those two. I, I think both those two are going to make an impact. Um, and either way, it's depth. And once again, we just talked about the future at, at outside linebacker. Well, it's just a matter of time in this very vicious game uh, that Father Time slows down for no one, and we don't know if it's one, two, three. We don't know, uh, you know, with Harry. So, you know, love me some Harrison Smith. He's all over the field. Even when we didn't have – really didn't have a defensive line two years ago, uh, he was the one making plays. So, you know, we don't know how long he's got. We talked off air again about this. is like, well, shit, the, the – the safety does play a bigger role in this one, so maybe he will need to splash more 
you know, speed or keep that speed, I should say, in quickness because you just you just never know when you're going to fall off the cliff from corner and safety. Safeties generally last longer, but hey, if it's more responsibility and you're such a key to it, you never know. So I'd say those two kind of stand out as far as uh, a breakthrough type thing. We're, we're going to get a starter there, and you know, I think they're going to be solid, no doubt about it. Um. So let's get to the biggest question marks and just important, like a few important keys that would make a successful season. Now, when we say successful season, what's that mean, right? Uh, I mean the playoffs, right? I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, if we're not 14 and, you know, I mean, it's the just get to the damn playoffs. That's what we want. We haven't got there since 2019. The last two seasons we were flirting with it the whole year, but we fell short. So a couple keys and just question marks, which can be a combination. Obviously, you know, one of them off the bat is on the defense is, is you know, our guy Hunter. I mean, these last two years he didn't play a snap because he tweaked, you know, according to Zimmer, he tweaked his neck. And then, and then last year didn't miss a beat, was looking great, and all of a sudden, boom, like six games in, done for the season. So, um the first one for me is just health on defense, especially Hunter. Um, and we've talked about this when we signed Zedarius. Like, if we could get 14 out of 17 and, and 13 out of 17 between those two, I'll take it. I would take that all day, especially in this, you know, in this league. Um, I really think that's such a key, man. And, you know, to at least have one of them for most of the season. Knock on wood. Hopefully, two, can, you know, both of them can play. Uh, the Zadarius thing. It we talked about this in the the free agency. It makes me feel better that because you know with a back, you never know with a back. It sparks up. He had major surgery, but he did hurt it really early, and then play in the playoffs. And so his whole off season had nothing to do with major rehab. They were very careful with them. You could tell even in mini camps, um, not just in training camp. So that's such a key between those two to keep at least one healthy. But if two of them are there, who our front seven is going to be nasty. Yeah, I think that's generous. The uh, 14 and 13 games out of each of them, you know, I take 10 and nine, you know, and maybe a couple games where you have one and not the other. I think, you know, with Jones, with Wanham, you can survive a little stretch with one and not the other. That's when it happens too, right? I mean, yeah. if you miss them for the last nine games, then we're screwed, maybe. But, yeah. Yeah. But together and the defensive line intact, it's it's going to be fun to watch. And I guess my biggest question mark is, again, for the fourth year in a row, Garrett Bradbury. Now, we talked a little bit about what could possibly keep him on this roster, what could possibly be a reason why he's penciled in at starter right now. Um, from what we've seen in the past, uh, he did put on a little weight, Chris, but I think he put on a little weight. He tends to shed that throughout the course of the season anyway. Um, look, I like the other moves that have been made, and it forces me to trust their judgment on Bradbury. Now, maybe they have something up their sleeves with maybe allowing him to explode and, and coming in with a replacement or – you know, maybe there's a trade in the works and Bradbury will be a second string center or something like that. We don't know. I don't think the 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 story's ended there. 
But come week one, we're looking at Bradbury again as the starter at center against uh, Kenny Clark, and then the following week against the Jordan Davis big kid out of Georgia who might just literally forklift him. Um, so I guess you just have to trust the judgment for week one, keep an eye on it, and see where it goes. Uh, obviously, Ingram's there, Ezra's there uh, on either side of him, and let's just hope that we can trust this judgment or maybe there – this is a shoe that has to fall for the other shoe to fall, I guess, if that makes any sense. But um, yeah, that is my biggest that, question mark uh, for the season offensively. I liked what you're saying defensively. I think I would have probably gone with the same question mark, just the health, Chris. And, and the corners, I think the young corners are going to have to yeah. play it, and can they hold up? Um, but that's the key, really. And also, you know, an overview from 10,000 feet, I think, can this defense – for lack of a better word, gel uh, in time to not drop four games. Um, I think that they can. I think that they will. You have great leaders, Kendricks, Harrison Smith, great pros, Jordan Hicks to start off the season, uh, great rookies like Brian Asamoa, Louis Seen, these guys uh, coming into spell. The other ones, can they, you know, iron out the wrinkles enough by, let's say, week three to really start ascending as a defense? Is the question. I think, you know, Pat P, I don't think he's fallen off the cliff yet, but, you know, another year, you might want to, you know, have something there. And we do with Booth, and I like a Caleb Evans and a uh, Cam Dancer. Can he continue to uh, impress at the corner spot? So I think those are the, for me, those are the probably biggest question marks is corner, uh, just maturity there, and Bradbury and the solution for Bradbury if something does go wrong or things continue as they have for the last few seasons. Um, but like I said, I'm going to trust their judgment on Bradbury. Do I think he's going to become a Pro Bowl center this season? No. But like you said, Chris, serviceable is what we're looking for. And can he do it? And can he just hold up to these big nose tackles that so far he just hasn't had any answer for? Yeah, and as we've said, too, if you can get solid guards, that always helps. But usually the the guards uh, you know, have their hands full as it is. Is. And I know a lot of people want that J.C. Trotter who can't practice and his knee's about to give the ligaments just begging to be snapped. But they sign him, they sign him, I'm not going to be mad at it, but the whole, the rest of the league haven't, hasn't signed him either yet. So, um, you know, I do like the Chris Reed signing, whether it's a guard or center. Early in the uh, training camp, they gave him center, center snaps. Um, so, and he's been, I think he's 30 years old, he's been serviceable. He grades out as just solid interior. So the one thing I do like is they're not going to hold on to Bradbury just waiting because they didn't pick him in the first round. They didn't overpick him. So, you know, it took COVID in a hospital visit last year to get the dude who has a new three-year deal in. This Chris Reed is just as solid as that guy we made a trade for, if not more, because he's got more playing time. So don't be surprised if you see Reed in there uh, halfway through the season or whatever, because he's just, like we said, serviceable. And if Cleveland doesn't live up to it, or maybe the Rook has some, you know, doesn't produce, he can play all those and has played. And he actually played for Indianapolis for a while. And the Indianapolis and the Vikes, in the last few years, I saw this stat of, like, they've made the most draft picks on the offensive line. Guess who has the better offensive line right now? Um, I don't think you have to guess too much. Back to those corners, though, I almost went with Cam as the breakout 
because I really think that he's going to kind of put it all together. And they are kind of they are going to be a little off the line, uh, you know. So that he, he they talked about how you know that's kind of his skill set a little bit more than always pressing as much. But Sullivan, the slot receiver, although both of us were on board with Alexander coming in last year, clearly he had a bad bad year over the middle, the slot. <laughs> you know, I mean, he was bad. He had a bad year. Um, but Sullivan, a guy with the last couple of years has been pretty solid in that. And that slot receiver, man, especially nowadays, pass-happy league, that is key. And just staying on that defense, the obvious one for defense is the last few minutes of the second quarter and the last few minutes of a game. We set a record. We went over the stat. It's like out of 636 or 686 defenses since 2000, no one gave up that many touchdowns in the second quarter and the fourth quarter. And the, the person that did the research just stopped at 2,000. It could have went back to 96. We don't even know. That's how crazy it is. So I would put a lot of money that they won't be the last. They won't be 686, you know. Can they be 600? Can they be, you know, 532? You know, it can't be that bad. And sure, health plays into that, no doubt about it. But it was so depressing to play solid defense, Aaron, for so long. And then, eh, we'll give up some points here. Add a, you know, go right into halftime, make him feel better. And then, obviously, even more key time to score is late. You know, when multiple times, like seven different times, our offense actually, that hadn't done it in, in the year previous, was clutching those times, but our defense couldn't have held up. So, those are frick. I mean, th- those have to happen. And like you said, a better start. You know, we keep these last two years, Aaron, we just keep fighting for 500, right? We'll have a big win at Carolina in overtime. Wow, that was good. Lose. Or win two in a row. Lose. Or lose, go one and five and win four in a row. Like, we can't keep just, you know, we especially with the way the schedule's set up and, you know, to play, you know, some some conference or some division opponents early, especially the first one, we really have to be already 500 and try to go over it rather than catching back up to 500. That is such a key, important thing, man, that that's really hurt us. I mean, obviously in, in 2020, when you start one and five, you're pretty much screwed. I still can't believe, you know, we ended up seven and nine that year. If you look at it, those were treacherous games, some of those games early. But, yeah, man, we got to – we get, we know we in those stretch runs where we have the home games – we got to take care of business. And uh, any other items you want to get to before off that note anyway before? Because it kind of runs into each other as far as, you know, previewing the Packers game and then the, our prediction for the season. Um, anything else before we get to this Packers preview, sir? Uh, no, let's get on the Packer preview now. Um, like I said, first game of the season. I want to call this the Daniel Carlson game. Because of what was it two three yeah. years ago the first game of the season in Lambeau it was a big game for Pat for old uh, Daniel uh, Carlson and you know I think Spielman came out and said that's the one he regrets cutting and I'm sure that was Zimmer saying I can't I can't use this kid and uh, you know I think we even on the show Chris we were like eh, you gotta cut him you know he just... he sucked in preseason and then he missed a. a... Three game winners, basically. Two in overtime. It's, yeah. You know, I can't sit there and armchair that one. 
Yeah. Yeah, but you made the you know, I respect a uh, concise decision when it was made. And yeah, you know, he resurrected his career. He's a great kicker now. Yeah. It would be nice if he was in purple, but you don't miss against the Green Bay Packers two or three chances and mm-hmm. and uh to open a season and your rookie season and expect anybody to have faith in you. But um look, Chris it's a big ask, uh, offensively, new system, defensively, new system. Um, I mean, Rodgers has been doing this for 14 years now, same system or close to it. At least he's comfortable yeah. in his system. Uh, the defensive system, it's, I think it's a big ask for them to come out and be world beaters, uh, trying to figure they didn't get a lot of run in the preseason. Um, so I think there's some nuances that need to be dealt with here. That might not, and it's a tough opponent. Uh, yeah, it's a lot to ask these Vikings now. Pure energy wise, buildings full, everybody's hyped up. You know, come out, jump on top. You know, maybe get a big enough lead and, and hold that lead. Um, but you never know. I, I I don't like the Vikings in this one. I don't think it's going to be an ass whooping. Don't get me wrong, but sure. I think it's just a lot to ask this team. Week one, come out and beat an established team with an established quarterback and established defense. Um, yes, you know, it can say Rodgers doesn't have any receivers, but look, Rodgers can put it in the middle of your chest. If you can't catch that, you're going back to college football or you're doing something. So, you know, he'll find his receivers enough and like our corners and everything. And it's not Zimmer against Rodgers who kind of had a good game plan. And I don't know, you know, the new defensive coordinator was, against Rodgers every day in practice, so they kind of know each other pretty freaking well. And So I don't know. I I don't like the Vikings in this one, but I think something, you know, uh, mid-20s and a three-point loss, something like that. I can't really put my finger on it, but I just don't think you're going to win this one. Let's just say on paper, you don't win this one, and I'm going to go with paper. Okay. Um uh, one and a half point favorite with the three points because we're at home isn't a pick 'em game. It's about what you're saying though. I, I don't think it'll be. I got 27 24 either way. Um, the defense, like you said, is nasty. Um, but without that, like how many times have we watched the game when Adams is there and the, our guy's right on him, right the fuck on him. And Adams just go, well, you're on me. That is true. However, watch this. You know, and the, and it's just the connection, the back shoulder in the end zone. Like, is that – how did he do that? You know, there's so – like, Adams is one of the major difference makers in the league. That's just hands down back. We'll see how he does with the Raiders with his old teammate from college. Whatever. I don't really care about that, right? But without Adams for their first game, that is something. That is something. Because, like you said, like – Okay, let's say, you know, instead of 43 touchdowns, he'll get 38. You know, I'm not saying Rodgers is going to have a bad year at all. I'm not saying that at all. However, those catches that Adams would make on us, it's just like, dude, especially last year. I mean, that one game, it's just like, what, dude, we can't cover him any better. So I do think there's a minor, I'm talking minuscule little step back on offense. They got to, like I said, they do have a nasty defense though. So, and I think I'm right there with you as far as them winning the division. I agree. I think they will, but I'm actually going to go. If you look at the last few years, 
uh, well, Zimmer's not here anymore, but the last chunk of years, we've been pretty much 500. Since Cousins is here, we've been pretty much 500 against them. So it's not this great – we're not crazy like, oh, here we go. You know, I mean, fans are like, here we go again when we watch Rodgers late in the game or something. But I do think there is something to say about losing Adams and not getting another pretty high-caliber guy. Uh, numbers, they're going to figure it out. But I could see a first couple weeks them not producing the the elite level, just a pretty damn good level, and then maybe finding their groove. And like I said, I don't think he'll win MVP, but then again, how many in a row can you do anyway? Um, and he probably wouldn't have with Adams anyway just because how many in a row can you get? But I do think that's a minor difference there. I really do. And also, we're going to get after and we don't know how long these outside linebackers are going to be healthy, but we do know week one they are. Knock on wood. So I'm going to go 27-24 Minnesota Vikings. And, you know, it, it's kind of funny. We'll parlay into what do we think, you know, our record's going to be because it, it does kind of count this game, right? I mean, this is a big to get a nice division win right off the bat. Like you said, it's, it's not going to be easy. And and I agree. Even if they, I like to, I like that twenty seven twenty four either way. Um, and I wouldn't. I'm not putting money on the bikes. That's for sure. Um, if the spread was a little wider, maybe I would. But I think that the pressure we're going to be able to put on him, and we're going to give him different looks he hasn't seen either. Um, from our defense anyway. So he's seen them, but it's a little different. So that's 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 kind of why I'm going with the win there, but. It does make a difference because if we, you know, wouldn't it change your record? Well, at least one game, right? Uh, you know, the overall record prediction if they did win. So the 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 record does kind of go off how we start these first chunk of games. But overall, what's your kind of feeling as far as we always do a prediction of where we're going to end up record wise? And I'm still trying to remember, it's 17 games, Chris. Don't say 16. Do the math. Well, where, where are you at with that? Well, the math, I do know it's 17 games. Um, I am optimistic this year, I, I, but not overly optimistic. I, I think that, look, it's new systems, new coaches, uh, still great players. Don't get me wrong. Um, some better than others, but there's a, enough great players on this team to really make uh, a difference um if you hear a little barking in the background that's my dog um that's fine he, he just gave his prediction exactly <laughs> you don't like my prediction though um so we got look i know you mentioned a little earlier about 500 and last year we were eight and nine uh i'm gonna pick the sunny side of 500 in this uh equation and go with nine and eight this year um now you could push it to ten. You could go ten and seven. I think that's realistic. But I think Detroit's going to be a little bit better. I think Green Bay is still the top of the as of now. No injuries. Green Bay is still the the top of this division. And so I think with an improved Detroit, now we don't know how improved they're going to be. But could they possibly take two games from us? I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility this year. So I'm going to go with uh, nine and eight and keep it close to five hundred as. Uh, Kirk Cousins has done for most of his career. Um, but like I said, I wouldn't be surprised with an improvement of that. But, you know, I just think it's going to take a little time for this offense to, to get 
running and the, for this defense to, to really get going as well. Although like you, you did make a great point about the first game of the season. These, we got both those edge rushers to start off with and, and that's a, that's a big deal. And uh, I think that's probably why the game will stay pretty close. But yeah, for the prediction, I'm going to go nine and eight for the year. Um, and I don't think that's a terrible thing. It's a great place to start for, for a first year coach. Um, you might be able to make the playoffs depending on how bad the division uh, ends up being. And, and I don't think it's a terrible thing, but, um, I think nine and eight is where I'm at for those reasons. Sure. Um, and just real quick offensively, I forgot to mention this three step drop, a short pass to a wide receiver or running back, please. If you have interior issues, and that's the one thing. I liked a lot of things about the system we produce as an offense, and that's all great the last few years. But there's some games you can't do the same thing every fucking week. And it's just three-step drop. Cook, Jefferson, you know the goddamn names. Get the ball quickly to them. You can't really sack people with a three-step drop, dude. You really can't, like consistently. And then you'd already know, okay, Bradbury's on his ass, I'm releasing. You know what I mean? I just hope for that. I had to say that. Sorry. Um, you know, when I look at the start of the season, because of that, you know, going overseas and then not getting the buy, I do like that they pushed to, to – they, they basically had a choice. We could have done it, you know, but could have done it right after that and be week five, but – if you're going to kick it to, I like this. I like taking the bye week in the seventh instead. It's going to suck, um, you know, to go overseas. Everyone's got to do it, but a lot of times you get a bye after to make up for it. But you do get Chicago at home, so that's pretty good. But when you look at some of this, you know, Green Bay at home, that's tough. On the road, Philly, that's always tough on the road Monday night. But Detroit at home, and even that game, New Orleans, you know, that that's a winnable game over there. Chicago at home is very winnable at Miami. We'll see. Um, but we have this string here. You know, we got to play teams like Buffalo, you know, no doubt. We got to play Green Bay twice this year. There's some tough games. Arizona, we got them at home this year. We went tit for tack with them last year. But there is this run of four. So four out of five games are at home. Dallas, New England, the Jets, in uh, Indianapolis, in the Giants before back-to-back Green Bay. At, you know, it's a little rough ending there. We're used to closing with these teams to have back-to-back both on the road. That's rough. So it's a little funky with the schedule early because of the overseas stuff. There is a tough stretch there. Arizona, Buffalo. That's you, at Buffalo. Just chalk it up as an L. But the Patriots aren't what the Patriots were a little bit ago. They're still trying to get back something. So they're not this elite level just yet. So I'm right there with you. I, I wrote down and circled nine or nine and eight or ten and seven. And being that we have nine home games, seven away games, and one neutral site, if we stay healthy, I think ten and seven is definitely doable. So I'm right in that realm. And you know what? I'll just go. We're gonna. We can't be more. Well, I just said that as a Vikings fan. Can't get more hurt on defense than we have these last two years, but I said it. I put it out in the air, damn it. But yeah, I'm going to go 10 and 7. So I'm right there with you as far as uh, a potential playoff spot because 
there's a string here where we got to take advantage. And a lot of it is that key start there. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and, and just throw this out here, Chris. I, you know, we've done a really great job so far on this podcast not mentioning his name. But, you know, there's been a lot of positive, you know, uh, reinforcement out there in the press and the Vikings sphere for uh, one Craig Joseph um, about how he's not missed a kick and how he's not going to miss a kick all season. Can we stop that, please? Last time nobody missed a kick all season. They missed a kick, a very important kick. Um, and I don't want to get all superstitious here, but I think I'm a little bit superstitious here. And let's just calm down and let him kick the ball. I don't want to mention more, you know, see more of what a great job he's doing. Let's see him kick the extra points. Let's see him make the, the field goals he should make and, and half the ones he shouldn't. And then we can start talking about it. We haven't played a real game yet. Let's calm down on the kicker thing and, and just cross our fingers and look away from the TV like we normally do. There you have it. You know, I did like, uh, I mean, he, he missed them. He missed them short last year, no doubt about it, especially in the clutch. Um, but, you know, I did, you know, I think Zimmer was in a situation like, I'm not going to cut him now. You know, we can't cut him now. And we got it. And he did actually close pretty strong. So, but yeah, that whole, well, you know, he's hitting them so far that we may, we may we may be okay sixty two yard field goals on the normal. You know, it's like, well hold on, dude. How about punt? How about punt? How about that? But um I'm with you and I am I'm just hoping that it's just solid. We are so due for just a solid year for kicking where you don't miss, you know, thirty two yarders to win a game on the road against a good team, you know. We we can't we can't have that happen and make the playoffs. We proven it these last years and then obviously you know you can't advance in the playoffs the seattle game you know all that stuff so yeah man i'm glad that we waited uh to talk about that but yeah i agree let's just let this guy play out i'm glad we uh kept him on you know kept him last year and let him play because he did hit some pretty long ones and all that and obviously he hit a really long one in the game that didn't count but in the preseason but i'm with you uh, it had to be mentioned because this is Minnesota and this is Kickers, but glad that we waited. Anything else, sir, before we shut this puppy? Oh, the Gophers. We got a little little Gopher talk, just a minor little Gopher talk. Uh, yeah, a little, uh, little scrimmage against uh, North, what was it? New Mexico State. New Mexico sir. State. A little scrimmage. A little Jerry uh, Joe scrimmage. They shook scrimmage hands. For one, they did shake hands, but Mo is back. 12 first down rushes, 96 yards after contact. I don't care who you're playing. Mo looked damn good, and so did Potts, which we really didn't know last year in Purdue if he'd ever play again. He looked sharp as far as a running back. Like we said, in preseason, you can kind of tell with running backs, and it, it was nice to see Mo back. It was, and he looked like the old Mo in, in a sense. Um and then Potts as well. I don't think we still know what that injury was, but it was pretty damn serious. They're talking about his life and, and so on. So it's good to see him back. Now, you know, the fact that they're both back, we kind of lost a great back with Bucky being gone. Um, and I didn't see Kai Thomas at all uh, in, we, on the first left. game either. He left as well. So Yeah, he left yeah. first. And then when Potts came back, uh, that's when Bucky said, oh, man, I'm the third guy now. Shit. 
you know. And so yeah. he went. He went to Oregon though. So we got you know two good backs back, but we lost a couple good y- young ones. And obviously PJ is going to run the ball against. Anybody. I like that Evans. No. We know that the ball will be ran here at Minnesota, and um, <laughs> you know even Tanner Morgan is you know. His sixth-year senior who still hasn't impressed me too much in these last few seasons, and let's hope that with the return of Kurt Chiraka, you know that you can start to see a little bit. But you know he doesn't have the two NFL receivers that he had in 2019, which is a, a difference. Um, and then he's got a whole new offensive line, uh, save the center, uh, who's what a, an Outland Award candidate, uh, and John Michael Schmitz. Interesting name, John Michael Schmitz. Um, who used so to be let's the see how the blind guy. plays out. In 2019, he was the sixth guy. Yep. Let's see how this offensive line plays out uh, against some good competition. Like I said, like, I think they kick off Big Ten against Michigan State. That should be enough to see where this offensive line is at. And then defensively, you know, there's a lot of familiar faces, uh, guys just coming up through the system. Uh, Thomas Rush, uh, Braylon Oliver, good old He's number back 11. back at linebacker now. Back at linebacker. Yeah, the safety 27, Newbin. Um, yeah, Newbin. Houghton's still there. If you see a big play, just look right next to it. You'll see Jordan Howden. Um, you know, I like the defense here a little bit more than the offense. Um, I think the Gophers are going to have a good year. I think there's some improvement around the Big Ten as well. Um, Illinois doesn't look too shabby. Uh, Maryland's still kind of Maryland. Nebraska appears to still be Nebraska. I was a little worried about them. I thought maybe they had improved, but then they go and drop one to Northwestern. So I don't think I'm as worried about Nebraska on that side anymore. I was always going to be Iowa, just different parts. They got a good quarterback down there in Iowa, by the way, which is interesting. They might no, they control. don't. No, you don't like him? What's his name? Pettis? Or? Past the first five games of last year, he's been horrible. Oh, yeah? No. Well, I saw some highlights. He looked okay. Uh, so scratch that. I guess I will continue to run the football. And, they they um, scored. Check this out. Seven points, right? They had a field goal and two safeties. They beat South Dakota State. They they're the only team since 2000 that scored seven points and it wasn't a touchdown. Hmm. I did see the highlights of that game. It was what seven three into the fourth hmm. quarter. Ten punts by <laughs> and they won the game. Is there a punting competition going on I there? I think so, dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I like the Gophers this year on, on that side. I, I I think there's question marks, like I said, offensive line. Can Tanner Morgan Reyes play a little bit? How are the receivers? Healthy. Um, got to keep those fuckers healthy, those wide yep. receivers, man, because they got talent. They got they talent. talent. Yep. They got to stay the, healthy. The corners, I think Wally changed his number, but he's still there, <laughs> which is nice to see. Yeah. Uh, and the linebackers, too. We lost Jack Gibbons. Um, but as I said, Braylon Oliver's been waiting for his chance to start, and I've been waiting for him to start. So I think we're well, going to Well, and he was striker linebacker. last year, so they yeah. moved him back to normal linebacker where two years ago he looked really good. Yep. And then Rush on the outside. Thomas Rush saw a little jaw joiner action, which I think is going to be an impact player. He's young. I think he's a redshirt sophomore at this point, maybe even a redshirt freshman. But I think there's, you know, I, I like this program, Chris. I think that, you know, it's fill, it's refilling its holes. It's it's coming up with, you know, Big Ten athletes year-round. You're going to stay – you're never going to be a doormat, I think, again, knock on wood, in the, in the Big Ten. And yeah. I like this team. I think it's going to be fun. I, I don't want to put huge expectations on them because I don't think this is the year for that. I don't want to call it a down year either, but I think there are well, – Like some, you said, we got to see. we got to see once we 
get into Pete yeah. play. And I think there are some challenges that need to be faced. But I think, you know, with this core and the new blood and the veterans, uh, even next year looks promising. So I like where it's headed. Uh, let's see what they do this year. Do you, I'd like to beat Iowa this year. I mean, there's a goal there. I want to beat Iowa this year. Uh, even if we don't beat Wisconsin this year, I want to finally beat Iowa and, and uh, maybe, you know, get that feather in our cap. So, you know, I like the squad this year. Your thoughts, man? Well, you know, a lot of people make it a big uh, noise about this transfer portal, but when you get a guy from Michigan and Notre Dame that would never even barely visit your campus, um, I'm pretty happy with that. <laughs> um, so we have probably four guys who've been here at least three years uh, on offensive linemen, and then we brought in two guys that one the Michigan guy actually has experience. Michigan, in fact, I think uh, Fleck just said it in a press conference. Um, well, I knew Michigan was the line of the year last year, but I'm pretty sure he was the seventh guy on that. So he was in the guy returned. He wasn't going to play much. He's just going to rotate, but he's played like 30 games, had a bunch of starts, even last year in their turnaround year that got over the hump with Ohio state. So I think we're going to be, you know, there's going to be some things that they're not as good at. Sure. And there's going to be some mental errors and all that on the offensive line I'm speaking of, but there's also going to be some things that those other guys couldn't do. And so there, there's a mixture of that. A little bit more quickness, a little more of that. I mean, in 2018 and 2019, when those guys were young, we still had a pretty damn good line. They didn't have a bu- only Olsen had a bunch of experience anyway. So I think that the fact that those guys stayed so long with that COVID year, and like you said, we brought back the center who's potential All American, preseason All American, second team, and like I said, he was the sixth guy two years ago. And because we do rotate, you know, we do rotate. So these guys get playing time. So I, I, I think our line will come together. I do like how we're building up. We don't have to start with the tough game right away. I like the build up. We got another better not be a Bowling Green. And then we have Colorado at home, which we did so well against them last year on the road. We should beat them. That'll give us another little, okay, let's see. We better play pretty good there. And then at Michigan State, Wisconsin and Iowa, in Northwestern, in us, both have difficult cross-rival uh, games uh, from the East. Um, we have – the only problem with ours is they're both on the road. We have at Michigan State and at Penn State. So that's rough. You know, just getting one of those would be – I mean, if we got one of those, I think we'd win the West because then, you know, I think we'd, if not beat both of them, at least one of them. Uh, Iowa and Wisconsin. And you're right. We're not there yet as far as at the end of the season, but we're beating Iowa this year. I do. I'll just put it on wax. Now we can suffer a bunch of injuries and we can, you know, who knows by the time we get to November, of course, I'm not, I'm not sure, but I really feel like just off of something's got to give. And those have been tight ass games the last three years. We're going to beat Iowa this year, but like you said, it is on the road at Wisconsin. So um, and ultimately the West, you know, is won through those two teams. We just know that in the Northwestern every three to four years. So we'll see how, you know, we'll see how they look. But another thing I want to say is these net, we have to get to the conference final either this year or next year, because you know, damn well, they're going to put USC over here because they want to have a conference championship 
with USC on the other side of it. You know, that's what they want. And in the coming years, Notre Dame, Oregon, imagine USC, Notre Dame, Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they want the right now the last, since the Big 10 conference like Wisconsin will have an elite level team and it'll probably take them 3 to 4 years to get back to that almost unbeaten same with Iowa. They're always, you know, 8 to 10 wins every year. I'm not saying that. I, I want to be where they're at. But when it comes to the conference final, it usually is Ohio State or Penn State or Michigan, you know, it's someone beat them pretty handily, and that's something that's going to be key. So, if people think USC is going to go to the other side where they have Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan, it's not going to happen. Dude. They're coming over here. That's why we really need to get there these next two years. But I like them. I definitely like them. Any any other words before we shut it down? No, but I'm glad you brought up the uh, the change to the conference because I kind of slipped my mind. But you know, I'm not too afraid of UCLA and USC in the beginning because I think they got to beef up to get ready for the Big Ten. I think they need to work on their fronts, maybe not their defensive lines, but their offensive lines is going to recruit through that, and that's two years to do that. So maybe I should be a little afraid of them in the beginning, but I'm not. I would be afraid so of USC. They got the Oklahoma coach now too. So that's that would, a yeah. very good point, and you're right. They're going to end up on our side for sure. Um, and I didn't hear anything. Oregon's coming. Washington's coming. Is that a thing? No, it's, I didn't say finalized, but Notre oh. Dame and Oregon uh, oh. are in talks to come here. It's all, you know, it's talks right now. It's nothing official. Right. But right. Notre Dame's going let, to – let's talk about this another time because sure. we're, we're, well, we're running pretty late. Yeah, all I heard was that Washington might come. But, yeah, so great show, Chris, and I'm excited for season five. It's kind of nice to, you know, not be talking about Zimmer and, and everything. Like, there's a lot to talk about Zimmer, but – you know, that's going on now, and it's all water under the bridge at this point, and people keep digging up dirt, and I don't want to really hear it at this point. It is what it is. He's gone. Let's move on. I like what's going on here right now. So it'll be a fun season, and uh, I think we end up on the winning side. Yeah, I agree. The, the When when people leave, now all of a sudden you're going to produce these stories. Why the hell were you too afraid to produce them when he was here? Like, what, what, what kind of shit is that? It's a lot of the stuff you can't even believe it's just clickbait. Some of it's probably legit. Um, obviously, he didn't like Kellen Munn, right? And he said it even late, you know, of late. He said it as a, you know, as a media member. So um, I think it is cool that he's with uh, an advisor to Dion as a coach, like, you know, watching some film and yada, yada. So that's pretty cool. He's at Jackson State. But, um, yeah, we'll be back next week. Um and, yeah, man, another season. Uh, enjoy the game. Let's hope the Vikings start out 1-0. Peace.